In this episode, Dr. Kashi delves into self-esteem and global attribution, examining how these forms of bias have metastasized like a cancer in every major facet of civilized life. He talks about three examples of the practical utility, though, of self-esteem and global rating, specifically in technology and entertainment. Join the good doctor for a thought-provoking conversation on the importance of self-esteem and how it shapes our approach to life. Roll the intro! Hello, and welcome to Coffee with Cashy. I'm your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy. And today's lesson takes a look at the bright side of self-esteem and the global rating of self and other selves, as it were. Make sure I'm in frame. Excellent. Okay, so here's what you're learning. Why, oh why, Dr. Cashy, is self-esteem and global rating of myself and other selves, if it is so bad, why does it exist practically everywhere? Well, it's useful. It is useful. <laughs> that's, that's, that's useful, all right? Number two, going over three examples of the practical utility of self-esteem and global rating, uh, particularly technology, entertainment, and skill development, all of which quite obviously integrate with each other at present, thus even further exemplifying the practical utility and perceived necessity of using global and self-rating as a means of improving all those three things, okay? And number three, the practical utility of self-esteem and global rating is more likely to benefit other people at the cost of your misery, your mind and body, thus creating the backbone of distorted thinking that justifies various forms of learned victimization, such as acting like a martyr, right? Other people's dependence on self-esteem, past and present, heavily augments your daily life in a positive way. And it's possible that your dependence on self-esteem, if you are dependent on self-esteem, uh, heavily augments another person's life in a positive way, okay? And you've probably been entertained by somebody else gaining or losing their self-esteem. Maybe you were entertained and had your own self-esteem bolstered thusly because you were the one in control of the other person gaining and losing their self-esteem. Hmm? And you've probably gotten better at something because being bad at it made you feel bad about yourself as a person. Thus, motivating you to become a better person by a better person by getting better at whatever that thing is or improving that part about yourself uh, in accordance to whatever you think improving it means, right? All these things are practical benefits of the, of the fickle monster that is self-esteem and global rating. This lesson is about giving self-esteem some respect. So throw down a hashtag perk. Throw down a hashtag perk if you've ever gotten some perks like you just heard from the self-esteem disease. Because there are perks and they are legit, which is why it's around. And why it's a royal pain in the, in the you-know-what to mature yourself out of it. So let's talk about the useful aspects of self-esteem here. I've spent a lot of time with you putting self-esteem through the grinder. That's the only real word, I, th I think that describes it well. <laughs> uh, this is mostly because I firmly believe that global rating of 
yourself and other selves is the second greatest cause of human-caused misery. Second only to one thing, rigid absolutisms or rigid and absolute belief systems. It is only second to rigid absolutisms because global rating of yourself and others is the rigid and absolute spawn of a rigid and absolute belief system. In other words, you practically have to think rigidly and absolutely in your general approach to life to create rigid and absolute beliefs about yourself and other people. It's strange to think if you have a flexible and rational approach to life that generating rigid and absolute conclusions about yourself and others is either flexible or rational. <laughs> to that end, the self-esteem disease does indeed have its utility. It has great utility. That utility is often at the price of misery. No pain, no gain, anyone? Hmm. <laughs> okay. But that utility often benefits other people. Other people that may, ironically enough, live rationally and flexibly and use the data that you provide for them to make rational and constructive decisions. <laughs> okay. Three examples illustrate this point. Okay. And the examples I'm giving are technological, entertainment, and skill development. And the entertainment and skill development, I'm, I'm um, combining just for the sake of time. Okay. Uh, but they, they roll into each other nicely. Now, number one, for example, the biggest strides in modern technological development happened, arguably, because of extreme forms of globally rating other people. It's safe to say that leaders of so-called fascist dictatorships make their decisions based on rigid and absolute belief systems, particularly that they categorize and then rate humans as superior or inferior based on silly things like their supposed heritage. Step number one, cue choreographed attempts at global rating. In this case, a literal global rating of superior by, well, lots of bombs, uh, also known as World War II. Step two, cue Alan Turing and other nerds birthing the electronic numerical integrator. You might know this as a computer. Step three, some people establish their own global ratings of superior by incessantly posting pictures of their ham sandwiches using a handheld computer. Hmm. In the eyes of the SRO philosophy, this morbid extremism via fascist dictatorships trying to exact superiority over other humans at large scales preserves, or in this case, bolsters an already inflated self-esteem. However, by dramatized inferential chaining, you got the iPhone out of it. So ha! Self-esteem has its perks, right? <sighs> right, two and three combined, right? Number two, entertainment. One of the single largest contributors to human pastimes, maybe even over the course of human civilization, is that of competitive sports. Many of which, in a tragic stroke of irony, are scaled and translated reenactments of war. <laughs> At its core, mammal play is a way to practice and integrate the motor patterns to accomplish prime, prime directive one of humans, staying alive, okay? Mammal play is a way to practice and integrate the motor patterns to stay alive. Staying alive for many animals in the so-called animal kingdom or animal world means one, eating other animals, two, seeking safety from other animals, or three, both, okay? 
This is why when you look critically, play closely resembles the role play of violence. Chasing, biting, roughhousing, etc. Some higher animals play beyond physical maturity as a way to entertain themselves, but the play styles still often resemble violence. Generally, the human animal fits within this category. Some of the first large-scale organized competitive sports, like ever, are throwing punches, boxing, throwing people, wrestling, throwing rocks, shot put and discus, throwing sticks, javelin, throwing punches with sticks, fencing and sword play, escaping from or catching people so that you can perform those various throwing activities, sprinting, escaping from those people so that you can tell other people to perform their various throwing activities, endurance races. In effect, the person or group of people that objectively show superior skill in these various throwing and running activities would, in theory, in real life combat, have killed or escaped from the other person. Since the loser would have otherwise died, thereby losing their humanity, right, which is their existence and aliveness, they would have lost their humanity. <clears throat> it is reasonable to assume that because they would have otherwise lost their humanity, instead, since they survived because it is a role play, that they lost their worth as a human instead of losing their humanity. Does that make sense? So instead of losing their humanity, since it is a role play where they otherwise would have died, they lost their worth as a human. Ah, okay. Since the winner would have otherwise survived and learned keeping their humanity and gaining experience affecting their personality and would have otherwise gotten be like objectively better than this person at those running and throwing activities and even gotten better at those running and throwing activities as a result of surviving, then they would have gained worth as a human by objective measurement, by being better, and by the greater acceptance of other people, making them more than a normal person here. And other people making them more than a normal person here, right? And this leads right into skill development. The loser, as a competitive human dependent on self-esteem, may seek to reclaim their lost humanity by getting better at said running and throwing activities, thereby increasing their ability to survive and establish or reestablish their superiority as a human. Hmm. This, tentatively, in the eyes of the SRO philosophy, is the behavioral biology of competitive play, totally dependent on self-esteem, almost entirely. That, as you may now have guessed, is leveraged to establish superiority of self and inferiority of others. That is kind of the essence of competition, okay? So here's what you've learned, right? Self-esteem and the global rating of self and other selves, it, if it is so bad, then why is it so dang common? Well, it turns out self-esteem has legitimate, broadly applicable, practical utility, even if it's at the very high cost of human misery at a large scale. Right? Number two, we went over three examples of this practical utility at varying scales of human misery. The global, communal, and personal, right? Technological, entertainment, and skill development. And number three, the practical utility of self-esteem is more likely to manifest as happier and more fulfilling lives for other people, okay? In terms of their own fulfillment and satisfaction. 
people that ironically may live rationally and flexibly, focusing more on decisions and data instead of living a relatively miserable and dichotomous existence, ping-ponging between perks and punishment. This, however, is another convenient way to distort an already distorted belief system, for instance, by justifying martyr-like behaviors and other methods of learned victimization, okay? I make myself miserable so that you can have a good life, things of that nature, right? It's, it's extra, uh, <laughs> to put it colloquially, right? So even though self-esteem is like a super total disease, throw down a hashtag perk if you've ever derived what you think are some legitimate benefits from self-esteem, because chances are you have. And as you do, take careful stock in seeing if the benefits of you, that you personally derive from global self-rating and self-esteem outweigh the misery and anxiety it indubitably fosters in you and others. Indubitably, right? Thanks for learning today. Until next time. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Kashi? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Cashy is out. <laughs>